Welcome back to everyone joining us from America and Israel and around the globe. Welcome back. My name is David Frankel. And as the executive director of Ortor Stone North America, it gives me great pleasure to wish you a Shana Tova and a Gemar Tov on behalf of Ortor Stone, as I welcome you to the 19th year in our OTS Presents Zoom series. Today, you're in for an especially wonderful treat, but more on that in just a moment. Before we turn our attention to the Zoom shear, I first want to make you aware of an exciting Yamim Noraim matching gift campaign that Orator Stone is running through the end of September. With thanks to a few very generous benefactors, every donation up to $100,000 received by September 30th will be matched dollar for dollar. Your gift of $50 is worth $100. Your gift of $500 is worth $1,000. It's just that simple. To make your tax-deductible gift of tzedakah during this high holiday season and support the important work of Ortor Stone, visit the OTS website at ots.org.il. Again, that's ots.org.il. Now back to today's shear. For returning students and those joining us for the very first time, I want to direct your attention to the Q&A button at the bottom of your computer monitor. If you have any questions during this year, feel free to send them to us by using the Q&A button. To avoid breaking the flow of the presentation, I will relay your questions to our speaker at the end of his talk. And as with each of our shiurim in this series, we are once again committing today's shiur to serve as a spiritual merit for those battling in their recovery against COVID-19, and as a memorial dedication for those who have tragically passed away as a result of this devastating illness. May their memory be for a blessing. Now, with your permission, it gives me great pleasure to introduce today's very special speaker. Of course, we all know that Rabbi Dr. Kenneth Brander is the president and Rosh Yeshiva of Ortora Stone. Prior to making Aliyah in 2018, Rabbi Brander served as a vice president at Yeshiva University and as senior rabbi of the Boca Raton Synagogue, where during his tenure, the community grew from 60 to 600 families. He received a smicha from YU's Rabbi Isaac Elchanan Theological Seminary, as well as special ordinations in the fields of medical ethics, reproductive technology, and halacha from Machon Pua and Chief Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu Zichron Livrocha. He also holds a PhD in general philosophy and comparative literature. Rabbi Brander is married and lives in Jerusalem and has children and grandchildren living in Israel and the United States. Joining us during these, Aseret Yimei Tshuva, to offer his shir titled, Yom HaKippurim, A Day Hallowed in Fear or Honored in Joy, it is my great honor to present Morenu Virabenu, Rabbi Dr. Kenneth Brander. Rabbi Brander, the Kavod. It's a pleasure to be able to share words of Torah with you. This is a very uh, challenging time for all of us. Not only it's challenging or uh, because it's between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and there's so much to do. We're in the middle of COVID-19 and uh, the second, um, the second uh, cycle of this or the second challenge of this seems to be upon us, definitely in Israel and in different parts of the world. Um, so I wanted to be able to share with you a Dvar Torah that I think is relevant 
for any Yom Kippur um, and definitely relevant, I think, uh, for this particular year. Um, I know the handouts uh, were sent to you and I know you can uh, also find them, but I wanted to, I'm gonna share the screen so that you can be able to see them and we can study together. Um, and at certain points, I will actually ask David uh, if, he'll, if there's any questions and then I'm happy to, to answer any questions that David shares with us. So first of all, what is, Rosh, what is Yom HaKippurim? It's, it's a day that we know is the, is the holiest day of the year. Um, as we're having this talk, the Israeli uh, Corona cabinet is deciding even whether synagogues will be open for Yom HaKippurim or not. It's a day hallowed in fear, or is it a day also honored in joy? On the one hand, as we see from source number one, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippurim are considered holidays. They nullify mourning because personal mourning is in conflict with communal joy, which is the responsibilities or the idea behind, um, behind any holiday. And Yom Kippur is considered a holiday. And therefore, if someone loses a loved one right before Yom Kippur, even if, even if the burial was a few hours before Yom Kippur, the uh, Shiva is truncated and it ends, it ends with Yom Kippurim. And if you look at the second source, you'll see that Rabbi Shimon Gamliel said, there were never in Israel greater days of joy than the 15th of Av and Yom Kippurim. On these days, the daughters of Jerusalem used to walk out in white garments, which they borrowed, and in Gehenom, which is that deep valley uh, between the Mount Zion Hotel and the lower city of Jerusalem or the city of David, in Gehenom, there was this major singles event after Mincha and Yom Kippurim, in which young men and young women would meet each other and perhaps find a date, a major singles event that happened on Yom Kippurim. That doesn't seem so much as a day of affliction. It doesn't seem like a day hallowed in fear, but a day honored in joy. Um, and uh, we're also told that the Rambam Maimonides actually codifies all the laws of the fast days in one particular section of his magnum opus, the Mishnah Torah. But when it comes to the laws of Yom Kippur, he does not put them in the laws of the fast days because fast days are sad days. As the Rambam says um, in the first halacha, it is a positive commandment to cry out and to sound the trumpets in the event of difficulties that arise, which affect the community. But Yom HaKippurim is actually put into a totally different section, seen in source four here, Hilchot Shvitat Asar, the Shabbos that takes place on the 10th day of the month. It's put in a different section because it's not a typical fast day. It's not like Som Gedalia. It's obviously not like Tisha B'Av or Shavasa Vatamuz, even though it has similar laws to Tisha B'Av it is not considered a standard fast day. It is considered the quintessential Shabbos experience that happens on the 10th day of the month. And the Rambam tells us of these laws. He mentions in chapter one, uh, Halacha 
Dalit in, in the fourth halacha, that while we do not eat or drink, um, and he explains that it, it's a form, lamdu inui nefesh zehatzom, that this is the fast, and, and he calls it inui, whatever that word means, perhaps it means affliction. Um, but the Rambam keeps these laws of Yom HaKippurim, uh, not with the laws of fasting, but actually as a totally separate uh, set of laws. If you move actually to this word inui, let's look at what it means. In source four that we have in front of us, Shabbat Shabbaton Hilachem, it is this un- quintessential Shabbos experience, which is translated by most, and your soul should be afflicted. It is a statute forever. And again, in Vayikra, in Leviticus, in 23, 27, we're told again, Now, the Ramba, it seems from this verse that Yom Kippur is not a holiday, the way we've talked about it heretofore, but it seems like it's a day of affliction. But there seems to be a contradiction, and that is what we find actually in the Talmud, again, codified in Maimonides, where Maimonides says the following, it is permitted to trim a vegetable on the day of Yom Kippur from mid-afternoon. It's permitted to prepare for breakfast from mid-afternoon. What is meant by trimming a vegetable? You know, what does that mean? It explains what it means. But the bottom line, and what I really want to focus on, are these words that I've uh, underlined, and that is, you're allowed to do this, and you're allowed to prepare for the breakfast. By the way, we don't follow Maimonides, so I wouldn't suggest that you do it. But the Maimonides is saying that the reason why it's permitted to prepare for breakfast on Yom Kippur is that Yom Kippur is not a day of hardship. We do not want hardship. So which is it? Is it Is it a day in which we, our souls are afflicted? Or is it a day that we do not endure hardship? And I think it's important to recognize the fact that we really have to understand that the word that is used most of the time to describe the fact that Yom Kippur is a day of affliction is also the same word oni that's found in another holiday, and that's the holiday of Passover, Pesach, where we call the matzah lechem oni, the bread of affliction. But even when it comes to the word oni, bread of affliction by Pesach, there is two different approaches. There's a duality to the word. And I quote from the tractate of Sachim on page 36a. Rabbi Yossi Haglili, mi karinan ani, oni karinan, Rabbi Kiva haide karinan be oni, kidishmuel, the amar shmuel, lechem oni, lechem shonim alab devarim harbe. What does this word oni mean, poor man's bread, on Passover, on Pesach? So the first statement is that the reason why it's called oni, says Rabbi Yossi Haglili, um, is because it is the bread of grief. It's the bread of the poor person. It's the bread of affliction. This would mean that when it comes to Yom Kippur, and we have the exact same word, it should mean it's a day of affliction for your soul. 
But then comes along Shmuel and he says, the word oni has a different meaning. Lechem she'onim alav devarim harbe. It's the matzah that you recite many things over. What does that mean, many things over? It's the responsibility to recite the hallel, the praises to God, on at the Seder night. And the reason why it's called matzah, says Shmuel, is not because it's the poor man's bread at $30 a pound, but rather because it is the bread in which it's the matzah in which we recite the praises to God, the hallel, sha'onim, that we recite these beautiful statements. It's the bread over which many words, many words of praise are recited. We see by the laws of, of Passover that the word oni means one of two things, either bread of affliction or bread in which we recite joyous words. And so um, it's interesting to note that perhaps the, the, same, the same thing is regarding uh, when we say the word ve'initem es nafshoseichem, when we speak about an Yom Kippur, that Yom Kippur is a day of oni, it's a day of affliction. I, I, I put you back to this verse, Shabbat Shabbaton hilachem ve'initem es nafshoseichem. This verse, you can read in one of two ways. You can read it, Shabbat Shabbaton hilachem, it is the ultimate Sabbath for you. Your soul should be afflicted, which is the first way you read what that exact word means when it comes to matzah, that it's the poor man's bread, afflicted bread. But the same way we read that word differently for matzah, we can read it differently here. Shabbat Shabbatoni Lachem. It is the ultimate Shabbos experience, Yom Kippur. It's the holiest of all Shabbatot. It's why if Yom Kippur falls on Shabbat, we fast. And this Yom Kippur is a day in which your soul sings to God. The second definition of the word, your soul sings to God. And by the way, throughout the Torah, we see that can mean that also. For example, when you bring the Bikurim offerings, when you bring the first fruits, we say, Va'anita va'amarta elav arami obed avi. We recite, we enunciate a certain formula. Va'anita, the Talmud translates, which is the same word that's here is, Va'anita, we say it, Bishira, with song. So essentially the verb, Va'initem, can mean one of two things. It can mean affliction, or it can mean to sing there are two opposite messages. And that's what we see on Yom Kippur. Well, my question that I asked in the beginning and the title, which is Yom Kippur, Yom HaKippur, a day hallowed in fear or a day or honored in joy, the answer is both. Because the word, the initem et nafshoseichem, actually means both. It means your soul is afflicted. It also means your soul should sing. It's both. And I want to elaborate on this idea. And that's why, by the way, as we said, the Rambam says there's no such thing as Enoi of affliction on Yom Kippur, so you can even prepare the breakfast. Again, I want to remind you, we don't follow that, but that's the school thought of the Rambam. Um, when you look at the laws of Shofar, Sukkan, Lulav, it's interesting that the Rambam, Maimonides, uh, said, puts the laws of Rosh Hashanah, the laws of Sukkah, in one collection because the Rambam 
looks at these laws as one that the holidays, there's a motif to the holidays of repentance. And it ends with Sukkot and Lulav, which are days of joy. In the Sukkot, in, on the holiday of Sukkot, there was the Simchat Beit HaShoeva, the most joyous days of the year in the temple was on, uh, was on Yom Kippur, was on Sukkot. And therefore, what was, what, why was it such joyous days? It was such joyous days because they had the Simchat Beit HaShoeva, the water libations, these major holidays. But what were the songs that were sung on, on, on Sukkot? So the Gemara on Sukkot tells us the songs that were sung was, praise it is the person that never sinned, and praise it is the person that has asked for tshuva for their sins. My point being that this ultimate apex day of joy focuses on the capacity for us to be involved in the process of renewal in our relationship with God. There seems to be a connection between the joy that is experienced through tshuva and the joy that is found on the holiday of Sukkot. This idea is also seen in another place, and that is, I see that I have a question. Let me see if I can get to that question. Why don't we say how on Yom Kippur? What a great question. And the Gemara speaks about that. And the reason why we don't say how on Yom Kippur, because because today is a, a day of din v'cheshbon. Today is a day of, of, it's still a day of, of, of spiritual accounting. And therefore, it's not appropriate for us to say a, a halal. Um, but, the, but there's a question about that. The fact that that question is asked just proves the point that there is a, I don't want to say a schizophrenic existence to Yom Kippur, because I don't think it's schizophrenic. I think it's actually a complementary existence. So while we don't say halal on Yom Kippur, it, it, it does shatter the laws of, of, a, of a velut, of mourning for the individual. So you see it has the integrity of a holiday, even though it doesn't have all the dressing up, so to say, that we don't say halal. But, you know, when we say oshamnu with the confessional, oshamnu, pagadnu, gazalnu, dibarnu, dofi, if you notice the tune, and again, I'm a horrible singer, so I apologize if you indulge me for 30 seconds, and I hope the amount of participants don't fall off during that. But notice the tune. We say, la, 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 Asham nu pagad nu gazau nu dibar nu dofi la 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 and we continue on. The again, as you can see, this is why I've never agreed to be a chazan. But the bottom line is, you'll the the motif of the of the of the of the repetition or the statement of our repentance is. The melody is an uptone melody. The tune is an uptune. It's not a negative tune. It's not a down tune. And that's an important message. And interesting enough that, that uh, there is a halakha regarding uh, certain laws uh, every sing of, of what we do on a holiday. And the Gemara makes a very interesting comment here. And this really also speaks to the hollow comment. Amar Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar says, Hakol modim, everyone agrees that ba'atzeret on shavuot, you need 
to make sure that there is a time for personal uh, pleasures, materialistic pleasures, a time to eat and things of that nature. Because not everyone agrees about that when it comes to every other holiday. But the day in which the Torah was received, you have to recognize that we're ensconced in this world. It's a, it's a clear requirement. But what about, um, but the rabbis actually do something very interesting. They make this following interesting comment based on this Gemara. And I bring you here the Vilna Gon. The Vilna Gon says the following. The Vilna Gon says that Yom HaKippurim, that's where I'm underlined it, there's no eating or drinking. What every single holiday, the Vilna Gon explains, has a partner to it. What partner, what holiday is a partner to Yom Kippur? So the Vilna Gon says, based on the Zohar, while Yom Kippur does not have any eating or drinking, its partner, its soulmate, its holiday soulmate, Negdo Purim, is Purim. And Purim has, is a day full of eating and drinking. There's no better, bigger holiday for the Jewish people than Yom Kippur and Erev Yom Kippur. And by the way, Erev Yom Kippur, we have a mitzvah to eat. But the point here is that the Kabbalists actually say, if you want to understand what Yom Kippurim is all about, Yom Kippur is all about, analyze the word Yom, a day, Kippurim, a day like Purim. Now the Vilna Gon doesn't address that, and we will in a moment, but he highlights the idea that Yom Kippur and Purim are soulmates. They're, they're mystical soulmates. Yom Kippur, there's no eating. Purim, there's a lot of eating. Most holidays, you do some eating and some spirituality. Yom Kippur is a day of total spirituality. Purim is a day of total physicality, but they're soulmates. They, they're connected. There's a spiritual connection between them. And Rav Hutner in the Pachad Yitzchak mentions the same thing, that while normally holidays have a spiritual component and materialistic component, when it comes to Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is a day kula l'ashem that's totally for God. And Purim is a day kula l'ashem that's totally spiritual. But we should realize, never forget, and I'll, I'll try to highlight this, Yom Kippurim is like Purim. We strive on Yom Kippur to be like Purim. What does that mean that we strive on Yom Kippur to be like Purim? That's Yom Kippurim. How do we understand this message? And then, again, just to review for a moment, we've discussed the idea that we see a set of laws that treat Yom Kippur as totally a holiday. The no avelut, no mourning. The idea that the Rambam suggests you can prepare breakfast on Yom Kippur. But we also know the idea that it's a major singles event, but which by the way, is why at Mincha on Yom Kippur, we read about the issues of sexual norms and mores, because we need to know those laws before the major single event that happened uh, during the times of the temple in the Valley of Hinnom, as explained between the Mount Zion Hotel and the lower city of Jerusalem. But 
Yom Kippur is also a day of fasting. It's a it's a day in which we're we re retreat from the material from the from the materialistic world. So which is it? Is it a day hallowed in fear or a day that's focused on joy? And I explained to you, explain that ve'initem and means two things. Ve'initem et nafshosechem can mean that your the day is to be joyous. Your soul should sing. Ve'initem et nafshosechem can mean that your soul should be afflicted. There's not a contradiction between the two. There is this message that we are involved in the duality of the spirit of Yom Kippurim. It's a day of joy because we are renewing our relationship to God. We once again have the opportunity to connect to God. It's also a day of fear because who will live and who will die. How will, will we survive this pandemic and how will we survive this pandemic? There's both ideas here. But then I threw in another idea, and that is the Kabbalistic idea that, that Yom Kippur is Yom Kippurim. It's a day like Purim. And I showed you that the Vilna Gon, uh, who is not known for his, he's a Kabbalist, but not a, he's not a Hasidic master, highlights this idea that Yom, Yom Kippur is Yom Kippurim. It's a day like Purim. Even though Yom Kippur got its name way before Purim happened, there's the... It's not a historical message here. It's a philosophical message here. How do we create Yom Kippurim, a day like Purim? I'd like to suggest, the, first of all, does anyone have an answer? Maybe in the Q&A, uh, I'll, I'll give it like 30 seconds. Does anyone have an answer of how Yom Kippur is like Purim when one day is very much focused on materialism and one day is very much focused on spiritual Yom Kippur? Uh, we don't wear any masks, um, or this year we do. Uh, and on Purim, we, we're covered in masks. Just, can anyone think of why the rabbis in these two sources that I shared with you, both of them, the Gaon and Rav Hutner, which, by the way, are just representatives of, of, of so many more sources. My goal is not, to do, is not to give you more and more sources. My goal is to share with you a message. Can anyone think of why there is this um, this connection between Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim, and Purim? Anyone? I don't uh, see. I got one answer. The concept of drawing lots. Excellent answer. Yes, and both Yom Kippur and Purim, there is drawing of the lots. There's the drawing of the lots, Sa'ir Lashem and Sa'ir Lazazel, on Yom Kippur. There's the drawing of lots, which is Purim about. Yes, but I don't think that answers the question. It just, it just shows you that there's similarities between them. And maybe it just deepens the need to understand the similarities. That's an excellent point. Thank you for bringing it up. But I don't think it answers what exactly is the connection between the two. So does anyone else have a, another suggestion they'd like to, to make? Okay, so let me suggest the following. And I think the answer can be found in a statement in Maimonides, which I have in front of you here. The statement in Maimonides is from the laws of Purim and Hanukkah. Maimonides makes this bombastic statement. It's not his statement, it's found actually in earlier sources. But here's what he says. All the books of the prophets, 
and all of the books of the holy writings, in other words, Nevi'im and Ketuvim, not the books of the, of the Torah, will be nullified in the Messianic era. In other words, Yish Isaiah, Yeshayahu, Yechezkel, Ezekiel, Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, will not be critical books in the time of the Messiah. They won't have the same level of holiness that they do now. The only book from the books of the prophets that will be holy is the book of Esther. That it will continue to exist, no different than the five books of the Torah and the laws and the halachot of the oral law. Um, yeah, again, I want to just, uh, your, what is the significance of the name Purim as it came after Yom Kippur? I think that's an important point. Purim means lotteries. But the fact that despite the fact that Yom Kippur, that Purim comes after Yom Kippur and the rabbis try to say it's Yom Kippurim, that's not a historic, that doesn't make sense historically, as you point out. But the, and the rabbis knew that. They're trying to highlight that there's some mystical, theological, experiential connection, which I'm going to try to elaborate upon. So again, why is it, getting back to this comment, why is it that Maimonides quotes and says that in the time of the Messiah, the books of the prophets and the holy writings will not be important or not as important as they are now, except for the book of Esther, it will continue to exist as will the five books of the Torah and obviously all the laws of the oral tradition because they will never be nullified. What is unique about the Messianic era? The unique thing about the Messianic era is we can bring it. We have the opportunity to transform the world around us. That's the unique thing about the Messianic era. We can bring Mashiach. We bring Mashiach by tikkun olam, by changing the world. We change the world first by changing ourselves. And so the critical idea behind, um, behind the Messianic era is we have the opportunity to bring it. We have the opportunity to change the world that it becomes the Messianic era. What is Purim all about? Purim is the fact that Mordechai and Esther were able to change their world. It's not that God spoke to them. They never had special divine inspiration. In fact, God's name is not even found in the Megillah. But the unique thing about Purim is that Mordechai and Esther were heroes that were able to change the culture. They were able, they were able to transform the reality. And they were able to celebrate the same themes of the Messianic era. They were able to find God in themselves, and they were able to bring the Jewish people together to transform the world. The Rambam Hilchot Purim V'Chanukah is basically saying the following. You want to understand which book of the Torah, other than the five books of Moses, will be critically important? The book of Purim, the book of Esther. Because the book of Esther doesn't have God's name in it. It has something more important. The capacity for human initiative to change the reality. Mordechai and Esther are able to bring the Jewish people together and to change the reality. That is the critical message of, of Purim, the ability to change the world around us. 
the ability to basically put on masks, take off masks, remove the barriers, to be able to change the world around us. What is Yom Kippur all about? Yom Kippur is our struggle to create a Purim experience in our life. Yom Kippurim, a day like Purim. We want Yom Kippur to be that we have the capacity to change ourselves. Tshuva is about a renewal in our relationship. Tshuva is about the capacity to change. Purim, Yom Kippur is a day like Purim, even though Yom Kippur historically comes first, because Yom Kippur, we want to be able to have the charisma of Mordechai and Esther and to change our worlds, to change our lives. We recognize that we live in an imperfect world. We recognize that every day we have challenges. We don't live as angels as we do on Yom Kippur. But the challenge of our lives is to make it a day Kippurim, to be, make it a day like Purim, to be able to change the world around us, to be able to do what Mordechai and Esther and the Jewish people did on Purim. That's the goal of Yom Kippur, to be able to do that. And therefore, the rabbis highlight there's a certain synergy between the holiday of Purim and the holiday of Yom Kippur. One is a day totally immersed in materialism. One is a day in which we totally retreat. But the retreating doesn't mean that it's holier. But as the Vilna Gon says, the, the idea of Yom Kippur is to try to imitate what Mordechai and Esther were able to achieve on Purim, the capacity for us to change the world around us. And that's why it makes sense that Yom Kippur is not in the laws of fast days, because it's not a tragic day. It's a day of opportunities. That's why it makes sense that Yom Kippur is not just a day in which our souls are afflicted, but it's also a day of our souls are able to sing out to God. It's not just a day in which we pray to God, but as I shared with you that Talmud, it's a day in which the single community got together to find each other because Yom Kippur is a day of shleimut. It's a day of searching for wholeness, of completion, of complete engagement. That's what Yom Kippur is all about. And so therefore Yom Kippur is a day of shleimut. And therefore anything that celebrates shleimut including the idea of bringing the singles community together, happens on this critical day. Yes, Purim has lots and lotteries, and Yom Kippur has a lottery. Because sometimes in life, we can do everything that we want to, to do. We can think out things. Sometimes things are not within our control. Sometimes it's like a lottery. It's things are arbitrary. And that's sometimes part of life. But the goal of Yom Kippur is to, even when there are arbitrary components of life, we have to decide that we're not the sa'ir, that we're not the, the, the goat that goes out, la'azazel, that goes out into the desert, into a barren world. But rather, we're the sa'ir, we're the person that still stays connected stays connected to 
God and to the uh, ethereal values. Those are the messages, I believe, of Yom Kippurim. So it is a day hallowed in fear and a day hallowed in joy. It's a day like Purim. It's the capacity for us to do this amazing thing, and that is renewal. And I want to wish each and every one of us a Gemar Chatimatova in this in this time in which we don't know what the next day brings. We still have the capacity, with all the fragility of life, to realize that to, that that while there are lottery lotteries and arbitrariness to our world, we have the capacity to make Yom Kippur a day like Purim, and that is to have the charisma to be able to change our lives. I wish all of us that opportunity and that gift, and may we have the opportunity to spend many more times together, uh, not just in Zoom, but in person, both you coming to Jerusalem and me visiting you in different parts of the world. Gamar Chatimatova. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you joined me in thanking Rabbi Brander for a very insightful and timely presentation. Rabbi, thank you so much for helping all of us to better prepare for Yom Kippur. Thank you, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And for all of you good folks in our virtual Beit Midrash, I'm confident you'll want to join us again when our OTS Presents Shiurim will resume after the Chagim on October 14th. And one last reminder, to participate in Orator Stone's one-to-one matching gift campaign, please don't forget to visit us at ots.org.il before September 30th. Again, that's ots.org.il. Ladies and gentlemen, we once again thank Rabbi Brander, who joins me in wishing you a Gemar Tov. May you be sealed for a year of goodness and sweetness. Thank you once again for learning with Orator Stone. Be well. Bye-bye.